you've said a few things that if certain ears got a hold of, it would quickly escalate. It's fascinating. To an FU game, in my opinion. Because you can't turn that around, right? You can't do it the other way around and say there have been thousands of FU comments from the other direction, but well, they you, don't. You can, but it doesn't matter because that's in the past, I at see. least for a guy. Now, for a woman, she'll continue to bring that past. <laughs> we're not mm. recording, are we? No, we're not. Of course not. I try to do the same thing. My what do you mean? Burned me with a lighter in like, I don't know. 1977? <laughs> I have a letter for good. <laughs> you burned me. Just lit the lighter, got it hot, and just pressed it to my skin and laughed. I kind of want to hear the backstory. There is no backstory. That's the whole story. Well, if she did it intentionally, she must have been somewhat aggravated towards you. Absolutely not. So it was an accident. No, it was not. Well, then uh, there's a backstory. We're just hanging out. Women don't just do things oh, randomly. Yes, they do. I hate to tell you. Mm. We're just hanging out with friends, talking. She you just... mu- nah, you must have said something. No. I don't, this see was, you, I don't see you as a person. I think you're like me. You don't notice when you've said something. No, no. This was out of the blue. <laughs> I've said that a million times. This was out of the blue. This was not, I said something. And even if I said something, do I deserve to be burned by a lighter? <laughs> it depends on what you said. Nothing I could have said deserves a burning. By, like, dude, this was like it, it a horseshoe of raised blistered burnt skin yeah, yeah. is on my leg from this it, it wasn't funny it's scarred you yes. have it to this day well it's a memory kind of gone away at this point it's very faint and uh, but i'll point to it my wife will tell me it's not there anymore but it's fucking there it's I meant it. to it's meant to recall what you said that's right <laughs> you can't see my scars on my legs because sasha's wearing jeans for like the first time i think i've ever known you i <laughs> To be in jeans. I have four or five pairs of jeans. You're right. I don't wear them um, very often because the weather in Texas, there's such a narrow window of time to wear jeans, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, you only have like five months. In the summer? Like when? When When is uh, optimal jean wearing for you? Uh, you could go October. You can go mid-October through now. Oh, so sweatpants season. That's not sweatpants. That's sweatpants jeans. and joggers. See, I think... I don't know. I'm not a sweatpants guy. I'm a, you know what? When I wear sweatpants, it's like I'm I'm running or doing something active. When I wear sweatpants, it's because I don't want to leave the environment of lounging at home, even when I yeah, go so out. So I'll throw on some shorts. Mm. But then you can't wear I'm shorts in home. September to, well, I guess September. Yeah, but in the wintertime, sure you can't wear shorts sir? outside. I do. What are you talking about? Well, that's why your your legs are a little chapping and in uh, need in need of lotion sometimes. The cold weather can break your skin apart. Well, hot showers do the same thing. Uh, you're just such a contrarian. Well, you're right. I mean, I don't wear a ton of jeans, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that you don't know about me, Morgan. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you haven't I mean, had. Listen, whenever I listen to your music, I think I know you now. Mm, yeah. You you have a decent picture, not just strictly with the music, but knowing me for seven years now. However, those seven years have been a very specific seven years. So it's going to be Has interesting. Has it been seven years? Yeah, 2013. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was, that was the, the day. I don't remember the Super Time Bowl. Time flies. It really does. Man, oh, man, does it ever. 
that's why the next seven years is so interesting to me. You get a whole new facet of of who I, I am and our, our relationship maybe builds in dynamic ways you can foresee. I think it's going to go in the business direction. Good. But that's just me. Uh, it, it will if I have anything to say with it about it. <laughs> I know you don't have the time, but I do. So I'm going to make it happen with my jeans on. I bought a second pair of jeans, two pairs in the last couple of weeks, one black and one um, blue denim, soft denim. It's coming out of my shell, man. It's good vibes all, all around. Yeah, I thought it might be because you, you know, just didn't carry yourself well in a pair of jeans. That's not it. But, but then uh, you saw me in jeans and you're like, eh, it's pretty good in jeans. No, I didn't really <laughs> say that. Uh, but there, it just, it doesn't look bad on you. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's okay to say that. You look normal. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's why I encourage your wardrobe to change a little bit. Nah, I'm good, bro. But I know, but you you might be surprised that you're still good if you know you you go down to a large polo. It's a little more form fitting. I'm gonna have to work out before I do that, <laughs> and I'll be then I'll look like a douchebag. So I'm good. I'm good where I'm at here. Douchebag. So wait, the only way to avoid douchebagginess is baggy clothes? Yeah, what's wrong with that? The stigma is that the douchebag is the one wearing the baggy clothes. No, the douchebag is the one that wears the tightest shirts they can find. Oh yeah, so the tightest can, shirts are different. So everybody can see how ripped no. they are. No, don't wear the tightest shirts. I won't even wear the tightest shirts. Uh-huh. Uh, when you say, uh-huh, this is not a, no, this you, is loose. No, your shirts are like mine. Yeah, we're... <laughs> Rewind. Not quite. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yours are a little more. I was also a bigger guy than. That's not what I was going with. I'm going to say like yours are more specific location shopping. No. We don't shop at the same places probably. I would like for you to come shop with me. I don't want to buy clothes where you buy clothes. I mentioned to my uh, quote unquote wife that. <laughs> uh, what? I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say, I, I can say ex-wife, but it's not official, uh, hey, I, like stamped and sealed yet. So I'm just quote unquote. Um, I was telling her not too long ago, like, I really would like to take Morgan shopping and like have a, an extreme makeover session. <laughs> yeah, I don't want it. You're all right. It's all right, bro. I'm good. But a guy's version. No, I'm good. Maybe we stop at like, I don't know, the lodge or something afterwards. No, I'm good. No? You heard of that place? I'm over those places. Okay, me too. I'm over the places too. But I heard of that place in the last couple of weeks, and it didn't pique my interest, but I found it interesting that the evolution of a place like the Lodge is, is like... Uh, it has been there literally for 30 years. <laughs> shows you what I know about those types of establishments. I just liked hearing about the ambiance, the details of like the fact that they actually decorate it like a lodge and there's you know oh yeah and you know last time i was there the food was really good uh, nah casino's fun you and i are casino bros yeah i like that so what's going on what's going on in the world we're 64 episodes into meandering that's the biggest news of the night 64, 64 huh yeah man we've that's covered a, a lot of stuff so many episodes that is it flew by it kind of did by. The way my memory works for our episodes is li- not just life events, but like actual global events and things that are going on in the world. We've chronicled them somewhat with integrity um, over the course of the last year and a half. And I'm at the point where 
you know, I can recall what was being talked about in the teens and the 20s and the 30s, 40s. A lot of it, of course, is dependent on the bigger story, which was coronavirus at the time. But now, certainly now, we can sense the the getting back to where we were going with the first opening episodes of the show, where we kind of had a little more freedom as to what we were going to talk about. And sometimes that led to random topics, personal topics, things that we'd wanted to talk about for a while, I suppose. But then big news started happening and, and things that were unavoidable started occurring. And it kind of fit, I won't say tit for tat, the mold of what we wanted the show to be. But I mean, it's hard to ignore the fact that we talked about integrity in journalism going into COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're presented with an opportunity to actually, um, in an amateurish setup sort of way, not amateur skill-wise, in my opinion, to tackle the biggest topic in the 21st century with integrity and kind of hit all of the varying opinions and perspectives that you could at the time. And I encourage anyone who's new to the show, because there are a lot of new listeners here. I've been watching uh, the Numbers fluctuate as of late, and there's a lot of new listeners, which is great. We appreciate that. I encourage them to revisit those episodes when they're extremely bored. <laughs> because the COVID episodes, I mean, everybody knows about COVID well, yeah. w well established now at this point. But going back in time to hear people discuss it in a well established way before it had made its way to the mainstream. And before you were getting advice, we were breaking stuff down like mask wearing week two into the thing. Yeah. And um, I've gotten commendations from listeners and friends of mine over the course of the last half year that have said, I mean, if anything, they're thankful that some of the advice we gave on that show during that time was actually taken. Even if it was just like, oh, it's just because it's Sasha or it's just because it's Morgan. I'm going to listen to them because nobody's really giving me sound advice. So maybe they had a bias that we were their friends, but they took the advice and it worked out for them. So that's like a, it's like a good feeling. I always like those kinds of feelings when people can be upfront about taking advice that helped them and they let you know, you want to recreate that feeling for them as often as possible. At least that's how I feel about it. Uh, yeah, maybe mostly it's really just sparking conversation really. Yeah. Right, just getting people talking about stuff. Yeah, we've done that quite a bit. Like not arguing about stuff, but talking about stuff. Just talking. Quietly, even. At this level. Yeah, find some freaking middle ground, would you? Well, you know where the middle ground needs to be established moving forward in the larger conversation dis discussions. It is care it is crazy. Like I've got uh, my family's mostly conservative, right? Mm -hmm. And so in their eyes, I'm, I I they probably see me as this left leftist liberal. And then in me and Miguel's <laughs> eyes, we I'm see this you this crazy conservative. No, not so much, but you are leaning right. Yeah. But that's not because of your uh, opinions and views, it's because of your age. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Well, there's a stigma that the older you get, the more conservative you become, right? Just intrinsically, I, I guess. I don't know if that's really doesn't really hold true. up. Perhaps. I mean, perhaps that that you could have said that at a certain time, but some of the more liberal people I know are older than me. Interesting. I guess it just depends on where you're at and what you do. 
what we do here is fun. And again, the topics, if you have one in the world, let me know. But I am full of topics that are pertinent to real life. I'm I'm looking for this app and I can't remember the name of the app. It's in the early development stages. Oh, I um, thought you were going to mention the dick pic article I sent you. No, no. That was that was all your fault, by the way. <laughs> what? You, well, the algorithm picked up on your dick pic mention yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but it didn't hit ago. my account. It hit your account. Uh, right, because, you know, sometimes the algorithm likes to say, uh, look, Morgan. <laughs> look what Morgan <laughs> did. Right. Here's the psychology behind guys sending dick pics. Like, that was I, awesome. Who cares? Well, come on. That's, that's well, like... Oh, you mean... You mean that there's a psychology like behind yeah, it. Yeah, he's looking for a reaction. Oh my god. You mean Yeah. He's looking for a girl to go, Oh yes. And because it's easier to do online than it is in real life, so he can sort yeah, of in real hide. life, that's illegal. You wouldn't do it. We're uh, right. You're gonna get arrested. But this is the this is the undercurrent of all our internet conversations is that people get away with shit that they secretively want to do in reality, but they don't have the not courage, but they don't have the um they have an escape to do it with the internet. I'm not crazy about that aspect, but go ahead. Um, sorry, um, the story that you were mentioning. Yeah, some, a new app is in the process of being developed. Now, I don't know if it will ever make the marketplace, but the app is, what it, it does is it listens to your conversations. So it's actively listening. I like it. It tells you I'm actively listening to your conversations. I like it. And what it's doing is it's looking for you to mention products by their specific names. So if you mention like Dawn Liquid Dish Soap, the app is going to pay you in Bitcoin like an advertisement type fee. Now, I'm sure they're going to make deals with Nike, Coke, whatever, right? So that if in my conversation that's natural that I mention a product, I'm going to make money Fantastic. This goes in line with a business model that I was discussing with some fine people at Movie Trading Company today, which is, uh, you know, my history of Movie Trading Company. Yeah, it's pretty good. I love that place. It is. Um, it just brings warmth to my heart like no other location. However, today I had an intent business conversation with some of the employees there because I'm in there quite often. And what I do there is I peruse the aisles very frequently and I actually engage in discourse with customers when I see that they're, you know, holding a certain movie um, or they're, they have a question even for the, an employee and perhaps the employee that isn't their ballpark or they're busy or something. I'll chime in. I, I do that. And I spend sometimes 30 to 45 minutes doing that. And today I told them that there's a business model for brick and mortar places where franchises hire people as like a secret shopper style, but they're not really a secret shopper critiquing the store or anything. But they're a secret shopper that is there to influence fellow patrons into upselling, I guess, while they're there. So I see a guy who buys, um, for example, let's say the Adjustment Bureau. Great movie, right? I'm like, oh, hey, you a Philip K. Dick fan? He's like, nah, not really, but I like sci-fi and Matt Damon. So I'm like, oh, hey, Elysium's right around the corner. You heard of this one? <laughs> and then the store gets an extra $9.99 out of it if I can convince them to pick up Elysium. But that's when it kicks on into special Sasha mode um, or unique properties. Because then I could say, well, you know, that Elysium's $9.99 and Adjustment Bureau $7.99. You know, if you buy two more, it's four for 30 <laughs> 
<laughs> and then the guy is walking out with four movies for 30 bucks. I would expect to get paid for providing that service, which is an uncanny one, to that place of business. The thing is, I think people can do this in their wheelhouse and have it be like an Uber-like service. Now, the the hard part is making it genuine versus disingenuous because people are going to want to make money, right? And so yeah, it'll quickly become disingenuous. Yes, and so I've tr- I've already tackled in the three hours break that I've had to think about this rough draft of an idea. I've tried to tackle how do you make it genuine? And the best approach that I can think of is that you have to treat it like, well, when we were plucked for CIA work, um, they knew in advance that we were the right person for the job. And so you almost have to treat it like that. And you have to you have to approach the right type of person once you get to know them. And it has to be business initiated. And the business says, uh, you know what? Let's offer you this to do this for us because we've noticed that you do it anyway. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's some room there. This is my compliment to your app story about um, an algorithm picking up on words and keywords and shit like that that yeah, you're saying. I sort of feel like that app, though, would would uh, lead us further down the path of idiocracy. Oh, God, yeah. I used the Dawn while drinking a Gatorade. Uh, brought to you by Carl's Jr. Yeah, and the Carl's Jr. triple cheeseburger was delicious. I added pickles, which were Clausen, I believe. Yeah, you could never say you just ate a hamburger, right? I had a McDonald's Big Mac today. <laughs> oh, it could get interesting with some things. But part of that thing was like it had to be like naturally part of your conversation. So I don't know how they would judge that. That's what that I'm was, saying is like, that the integrity of the conversation. It's weird. We're in this place where I kind of want advertising to work in a genuine way now like in moving forward i want it to be less propaganda-y and less manipulative and just more like you should watch this movie because it's really good and simultaneously i'm making the story a little more money by offering you sound advice that might work with like entertainment stuff but i don't know that work because it can work with dawn couches wait it can work with dawn i've got this awesome little spray bottle for you dawn are you gonna be in the the aisle at Walmart? At, at Walmart? Yeah, and if I see a gentleman in my age group uh, shopping for dish detergent, I'm going to say, hey, these spray bottles from Dawn have saved my life because, I mean, any given day I can enjoy doing the dishes, but this is a spray bottle that sprays the uh, dish soap out of a spray bottle, and it is just fantastic. Your hands don't get all greasy so with soap. H- how do you keep a even or low number of people in the store doing that. Well, you treat it like Uber the same way. You just cap yeah, out at a certain... You don't cap out. Uber does cap out. Mm, I, they can, just don't send this. There can be a thousand people waiting in the airport queue. It doesn't cap out. Really? I thought they only... They gave priority to like uh, high-ranked drivers. And that if... So if I sign up for Uber right now, I could just jump in the airport queue. Yeah. I mean, you got to go get your airport sticker. Well, then it's prioritized. This is works a little different. You prioritize the people who um, bring in the big bucks. <laughs> you remember airplane? Have you seen airplane yes. recently? Not recently. Okay. So there's a scene where the pilots are uh, coming into the airport and the Hare Krishna people keep coming up to them. 
and you know just trying to give him a flower or saying hello or whatever and it and it's a lot of Hare Krishna people and it ends up with that guy fighting all of them <laughs> that's what I'm imagining in Walmart <laughs> all these people coming up with these product things and, and you end up, up having to freaking have a kung fu fight right there in the aisles to get them to go away from you there was this Netflix show I can't remember with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill where the person, the patron got paid to literally have a, an advertising um, human walk around with them during their normal day, just spitting out advertisements. <laughs> but Jonah Hill got paid like uh, 200 bucks just to suffer through this robotic like uh, human being spouting off nonstop advertisements when he's eating his breakfast at a cafe He's going to the urinal, and there's an advertiser in your ear about something else. 200 bucks a day is not enough. I think it was dystopian a little, so you know they were struggling to make ends meet. Gotcha. Um, it's an interesting show. Something about uh, those two people like going into this medical trial place where they start dreaming weird dreams. But uh, I don't remember. I only watched like 10 minutes per episode anyway. You're right. right. I fell asleep. Yeah. 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 Not interested. I don't do that anymore. Episode. I don't do that anymore. I'm wide awake. It's a good Katy Perry song too. Mm, I don't know. Been listening to Katy Perry lately. Well, good for you. Look, I'm this. <laughs> don't say good for me. Like, <laughs> I'm happy you found your feminine pop vocalist side. Um, there's something about women pop artists that I want to talk to you about. Okay, well, let's crack this one open. Let's crack this one open. Female pop artists. So, I like to consider myself a pretty romantic oh, gentleman. Yeah, let's get mushy. It's not mushy. Oh, okay. But it is. So, there's certain things that men of my demeanor, romantics, old, <laughs> old school, new school, whatever you want to call it, there's certain things that we aren't very good at admitting that we uh, enjoy. I think that Men, if we're talking about equality here in the long run, men wouldn't mind getting, you know, sweet-talked a little bit, romanticized a little bit, spoken to in favorable ways when they meet someone new or when they um, are interested in someone mutually and that person's interested in them. And it typically happens, but women are a little more guarded about it, I feel. Um, because of expectations, stigmas, conditioning, a whole bunch of different things. It really takes a special one to crack through that. But once that happens, like men are kind of won over pretty quickly. Yeah, there doesn't even need to be words. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've said this on previous episodes, exactly. For a guy, there's really, it's very little. That's not right. True. Well, yes, with the, the sweet talking, the yes. Very, in, well, even in the very beginning, right? It's very little to win a guy, to to get a guy's attention. It's keeping his attention that can be more of a, more of a challenge, challenge for, for ladies. It's, we're easy. We're mm. easy when it comes to getting attention. Yes and no. Because you just said, like, we're easy to get attention, but attention is fleeting very quickly these days. Can be. I mean, I might lose interest after a week if we're there's nothing substantial conversationally. Or yes, whatever. there yeah. you go. So back to female <laughs> pop vocalists. I think women are the same way, honestly, in a lot of ways, even though they wouldn't necessarily uh, agree with me in that, maybe. 
perhaps. Female pop vocalists speak the way that I would kind of wish women would speak to more men. Uh, I'm going to just think of Celine Dion, Katy Perry, E.T. There's a good example. E.T. The E.T. song. You're so hypnotizing. (laughs) There's a lot of things said in that. Hold on. Let me pull out the E.T. lyric sheet. Let's do this. Let's do this pop vocalist read. First time on Meandering. We're going to read the lyrics from Katy Perry's E.T. And I'm going to tell you why this is awesome. You're so hypnotizing. Could you be the devil? Could you be an angel? I mean, if someone, if a woman tells you that in various words, I don't know. She's got me right off the bat. Your touch magnetizing feels like I'm floating, leaves my body glowing. Now, in a relationship sense, like you were saying, if that's happening, women don't really have to say much. You can sense that they're into you. Sure. But hearing the confirmation from Katy Perry, yes, that's what <laughs> that's what I'm talking about here. Okay. See what I'm saying? No, I okay. don't. No, that's why. <laughs> don't I'm just shit. off on a on a 64th episode rant. So back to my movie trading company idea. <laughs> No. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about. No, no, no. Perry. I'm going to keep not just Katy Perry, Celine Dion, um, Madonna, uh, Rihanna. All of the vocalists have a different facet of not just sexuality um, and romanticism and the way that they put love language into their songs. It's just couldn't more people use that sort of classic approach towards love these days more than ever. Maybe. Classic with a modern twist. I think I, th- I think the female vocalists do it better than the men, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I don't know. Because I don't necessarily look for the um, those sort of lyrics or songs anymore. <laughs> what do you... I don't, I don't... I guess I may not have ever sought it out. Well, I guess I did growing up, maybe. Oh, come on. I want the less traditional crap. Yes. That's what you get with the modern twist. But the classic stuff is the foundation. Mm. Like you have to genuinely be interested in the other person. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You just want to say you have to, they have to be good looking. Come on. You can't just go with that, Morgan. That's platonic. That's. That's old school. Old well, that's, school. that's where it starts, right? No. Oh, it doesn't. I don't think so. I think okay. the modern twist is in the way that you communicate. Mm. We, we don't really communicate very well. When's the last time you dated? Well, yeah, I've dated <laughs> since uh, you know, right, the early nineties. And you and your wife communicate efficiently. Now we do. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's secondhand nature, right? Yeah. Like I was telling you, I probably said this a few times, like we can be across the a crowded room from each other and look at each other and know exactly what we're thinking and then start laughing because of the joke that went unsaid. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah, fun. I have a question from a listener that's coming mm. in Th- mm. through live. This is an important one. It's going to shift our topic a little bit. Live? Well, live. They, they can't even hear this. We can't hear it, but I can read you the question. No, they can't even hear what we're currently talking about. 
Well, they can because they're na- they're a listener. So in three to four days, they'll hear themselves in the past tense asking us okay. this question. All right, let's do it. This is awesome. Sure, sure, sure. Should society push for more localized jobs? The trend really is fewer jobs. I would agree. Within a year or two, if it's not already starting to happen, you're going to start to see studies that come out that tell you the negative effect of working from home. And we got a follow-up. It's like this person is almost sitting here at the table with us asking us the questions. What are some immediate benefits you foresee of localized jobs? Because I answered yes. (laughs) Why did you answer yes? Because that wasn't my answer. Well, your answer was jobs are going away. They are going away. They are. And they're not. But before they go away, they become localized. Well, yeah, they are. If I go remote, I don't have to work in my community. I'm working as part of someone else's community, right? Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about it abstractly. I was thinking about it physically. Yeah, you're right. I have a different different view of this. See, localized to me means you sit your ass at home and you don't go anywhere. That's quite localized. But you're not bringing in revenue for your community that way jobs in your city is what I'm thinking of, whether you're in an office or at home to me would be localized. What was the second question? Sorry. The immediate benefits of localized jobs, if any. Well, we're, we're starting to get to a really weird situation right now where you have people doing the calculations as to whether they make more money drawing unemployment or taking that job. And right now, because of the extra benefits, you're making more money on unemployment. So I think you've got a job market that's like, we really need people. And you've got a bunch of people going, I'm, I'm good where I'm at right now. Yeah. Which is really weird. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if it's necessarily good or bad. I, I lean towards it's probably negative if the jobs are there. Or you should be able to take some of these jobs that maybe don't pay so much, but still get the unemployment benefits without, you know. As a cushion. Yeah. And that's where we get into our UBI talks. Maybe. Maybe you take the, the lesser paying job and they just take the, the bonus out of the unemployment. You get unemployment, you just don't get the extra. What mm. I like about localized jobs is the sense of community that it does bring. But if we're all working at home and we're all doing it remote, I don't care how many online Zoom meetings uh, yeah. you do, there is no community. no community. And that's where I was off on my assessment of what localized meant. If this listener is suggesting localized in the physical sense, then I would think making community stronger with, okay, think about how many people are coming, are going to be coming out of unemployment in the next year or so. Let's, yeah, there's, there's going to be, be tons. Yeah. If we're steadfast about the options that we give some of these people that, I mean, some of them were making 40 to 100 grand, at least. Granted, a ton of them probably minimum wage and low, had low-skilled jobs to begin with. Well, I guess the the lower income folks are probably still working because oh yeah, you know, there's they a need to. There's unemployment for 950 an hour is like 150 right. bucks a week or something right. like that. Okay, so then you do have a weird situation where. The communities could almost really benefit from getting this large influx and quick influx of somewhat talented um, individuals who have a decent career behind them or decent entries. It may go by industry, too. I I don't know. 
I really hmm. don't know. Do you think in the next year, do you think it's enough time to like detail out infrastructural ways of making this the optimal setup for bringing a bunch of people in that could do new jobs and creating new jobs? Because you, Man, have, you I get, really don't. I think the longer we're in this situation, uh, the faster technology moves towards replacing people in doing these jobs. I mean, the restaurant industries, the the service industry is probably going to have to do something because um, they're having a problem, you know, with staffing at this point. Don't have enough servers or uh, managers, even or cooks. Uh, it's, Did you know, they have an overabundance to begin with? Probably not. You don't think so? No. You I mean, you may the, have had too many restaurants. So, mm-hmm. but then the restaurant naturally lives and breathes and dies within that environment, right? It either is good enough to survive or it's not good enough. Most and, of the and time. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, you know, survive that that's a little different than all these jobs out here. Like I know Chili's, for example, uh, already has a robot that will, that ca- is capable of taking people to, a, to, to seat them. <laughs> Why do you need a robot for that? Well, then I don't have to pay a hostess, right? Uh, what if you had a robot that just sat there and you walked up and you punched in uh, the number of people in your party and you just followed it to a table? Yeah. But why can't you do that on your own? Why do you even need a robot? Well, why can't the, well, why can't the what, seating what would your daughter do? What would your daughter do watching a robot seat you? Would she enjoy that? Yes. Okay. So that's why. And Extra some people, propaganda. What are influencers? What are yeah, influencers going go. to do? Take pictures. Take pictures of being Post sat by online. a robot. Yeah. This is the negative side of propaganda that I want to be but like done with. To be fair, in a, in a large restaurant, you've got a seating uh, tables as people come in. Um, there's definitely a, a rhythm to it. Like you don't want to just leave the restaurant open for people to just go take an empty table. Um, cause servers have sections, right? And if you have three tables that sit down at virtually the same time in one section, one or two of those tables is getting really bad service. Cause they're going to be always the third, second or third choice as that staff person tries to get drink orders and food orders and all that stuff. And you're, you're like some restaurants, if they're doing it the right way, they'll make you wait five minutes, even if there's tables empty before they go and seat you. Yes. Right. Just so to give their you, staff. You only got to program that robot one time on what to do and where to go. And it's not a teenage kid that double and triple seats someone who's more worried about their phone. What's um, that teenage kid doing instead if he's not working in a restaurant? I don't know. Getting UBI? It's the only way around it. Learning a different skill because that skill, I mean, is that's not really a good skill set. Any, I always thought it was weird anyway to put the youngest, perhaps the least experienced type worker in the position of basically would, setting the table for the whole restaurant. I right? would have thought you'd love that. I thought you were a, a thrown into the, thrown to the wolves and if you sink or swim kind of guy. When it comes to putting people in positions to where they prove themselves or they fail. Well, yes and no. I, I, that one position has such an impact on the entire restaurant. I just don't know that you put your least experienced person there 
because how much do they really care? I mean, it's part-time job, probably mom and dad probably making me do this job. I'm more interested in flirting with this person or that person, or maybe being on my phone. Yeah. And, and I don't, nowadays. I don't quite understand the reasoning why, or maybe the reasoning why that I get told it just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm just going to do it my way. Well, that's probably because restaurants want quantity over quality when it comes to servers. That is an energy. That's a position you can train someone in an hour. Right. And so they're very quickly interchangeable and the odds are in their favor to get a decent staff to the point where, you know, the machine well, still runs regardless. Ro- well, that stuff rotates, right? You, I mean, you probably won't have a problem hiring servers per se, but it, it would be the other workers. You'd probably have a more difficult time. Mm. Restaurants are local jobs. Um, I guess to relate back to the, the yeah, point of the question. What's local? Right. What's local? You have to start there. It's fascinating. So I almost feel like we would need this person here to ask us this question. If only this person was female, age 22, 28. It'd be ideal, right? I don't think so. I can't wait. It's going to be interesting if it happens, if we find the right candidate. Yeah. Really interesting. What if she loves History Channel, Discovery Channel? Well, great. She's got to step up on her peers. Oak Island? (laughs) What if she's an uber Oak Island fan? I'd be awesome. Right, we just I don't talk know about that the young people even know what the hell Oak Island is. That's well, the difference. I right? didn't know Oak Island prior to that show. And you're Canadian. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I'm supposed to know Nova Scotia in and out as a Canadian. I know Halifax. It's sort of a big deal. I mean, the treasure hunt's been going on since like 1800. <laughs> I mean, it's we're 200 years into the treasure search. Like, how is it not part of like Canadian history when you're going to school there? Do you like treasure hunt shows? Um. Not necessarily treasure hunts, although I'll watch a couple of them. Like, uh, you know, they have one of them that's like they're hunting World War II Japanese gold in mm. the Philippines. That, that's kind of interesting. Sounds lame. I don't know that I would want to go search for it. Search for the treasure itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it would require physical exertion. Yeah, well, it When's the last time a ton you of shoveled? money. It's um, a good question. <laughs> I probably haven't been camping in five years or more. Uh, you and Kelly don't do gardening all too much? Morgan does not do You're not gardening. a gardener? Oh, so sorry, Morgan. So sorry. You're not a gardener? Come on. Negative. No plants, no flowers, no trees, no veggies, none of that at your place? No. Kelly sometimes will do a garden. And sometimes, you know, she lets it go and then doesn't pick it back up for a couple of years. But gotcha. I like the treasure hunt mentality. It's always been a big part of my intrigue and my fascination with history and archaeology, I guess, is where it stems. But um, Oak Island, I mean, it's fascinating. I never got into it, to be honest. But I mean, I like hearing your updates on the deal. It's fun. It's fun to live vicariously through your Oak Island watching. Sorry, a little, I'm still thinking about the last question from the viewer. It's fascinating. We got a question from a viewer live on air. Hmm. What else? What else is going on? 
There's a lot that I have pent up that I want to discuss. That's okay, right? Yeah. Well, let's 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 roll with it. I can't. Oh, I see. (laughs) (laughs) Easy answer, right? So let's just talk about uh, the news story of the day. No, I I don't even know if there is a news story of the day. There's nothing out there. No, I can talk about some of the pent up stuff. Um, No, you shouldn't. It's uh... (laughs) a. Thanks. You should stay away uh, from those sort of discussions for how this long point in your life? I don't know. Six What's months. What's the timeline? Six to eight months. What if I like accelerating stuff? Um, yeah. Well, this is something. Give that, me thirty minutes. Well, you, can you accelerate the growth of a species uh, plant? <laughs> I mean, you could throw some miracle grow on it, but really, how much faster does it grow? But yeah. we go ahead. We don't get there, man. We don't get to utopia without accelerating these conversations. Yeah, that's okay then. What about Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live this weekend? Isn't that interesting? That's the type of, uh, this is the first, I guess you could just say influencer, right? That is getting a spot on Saturday Night Live. I wouldn't call him, well, he's an influencer, but I wouldn't call, that's not what Elon Musk is. That's what he's become. I would appreciate Elon a whole hell of a lot more if he wasn't on Twitter influencing. But he's he's bought into that because he has multiple companies that actually yeah, he has benefit be, from it. Yeah, he has to be on. No, he's using it as leverage. Elon Musk was already doing all of these things. He just, it dawned on him then, hey, wait a second. When I talk about Dogecoin, it goes from a penny to 30 because we live in idiocracy. Yeah. Well, and, and he did invest. He invested in uh, so that helps him too. And and he invested in Bitcoin. So NBC's like, "Hey, we need uh, we need a good influencer." To is this the start of their season? You got me. I don't know about those details. I don't know. And then you got maybe one of the most disgusting people on planet Earth doing the music. Who's that? Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm probably in the minority here, but she's just disgusting. I mean, she's a female pop vocalist. Yeah, she's right up your alley. No, they're not all up my alley. Oh, she's got a couple of songs. She's she's gotten a little bit more uh, '80s influenced as of late, remaking like Stevie Nicks stuff and even doing collaborations with uh, some folks. I don't know. You know me. For my money, it's like Pat Benatar. It's kind of the cream of the crop. As a big yawn. Pat Benatar. Yeah, what's wrong with Pat Benatar? She's older than I am. That's nothing wrong with that. Oh, okay. There are people older than you out there. I know it's hard to imagine, but there are some people that are older than you. Yeah, I didn't think you guys liked older people. Well, of course not. That's because you don't have me as well figured out as you may have thought, sir. Oh, I've got you nailed. I have an appreciation for the arts. Your horoscope has you nailed. Oh yeah. By the way. Oh, you got today's horoscope I, up? I don't. No, not today. Jeez, I know it does without even looking. <laughs> That's because I'm a ball of emotions right now, sir. You can re- you can read any of the sign the zodiac signs today, and I'd probably match up with it. I got gotcha. you. Well, you want to talk some Bill Gates? Uh, divorce. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, and hey, anytime you mention divorce, I'm all ears and I'm ready to talk. Let's do it. 
got proof that no matter how much money you have and no matter what lifestyle you have, you it's not enough. Still sometimes can't be happy together. Yeah. Well, let's not get let's not rush to judgment. Why Happiness can be one thing. Why are you getting divorced then? Growth, lack of growth. I don't. Growth has nothing to do with anything. I think it does. I don't think what if does. you're happy enough with one another to live a placid, complacent life for 40 years and you know that and you're aware of it and that's why you say, no, not going to let this happen because perhaps there's more potential. You see more potential in your mate and vice versa going separate ways. I'm not saying that's what's happening here with Bill Gates and uh, what's his wife's name? Um, Melinda? don't get me going. Is it Melinda? I don't know. Melinda Gates sounds right, but it's probably not. It is Melinda. Well, good job. All right. You would think everything's going right for them. Yeah, you would think you had would have ridden out the highs and lows. And he's been retired for a while now. And I know he's probably he's pretty active. Um, you know, philanthropist. They've uh, started foundations, foundations together. Mm -hmm. All that good stuff. But, I mean, his girlfriend's much younger and cute. <laughs> Wait a second. He's already got a girlfriend? Well, it's his ex-girlfriend that supposedly he's been spending long uh, weekends with. I see. Let's say my ex-wife sees me come home with three pairs of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Her thought process is like yours, much like yours. I've never seen Sasha wear jeans. Sasha doesn't wear jeans a lot. Unlike your thought process, it's not like... Well, why isn't he wearing jeans? Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's more having more fun. Maybe he's just becoming himself. Guys in jeans have way more fun than guys <laughs> in sweats. <laughs> Perhaps. All I'm saying is that in a hypothetical situation where my wife sees me come home with a pair of jeans, she says, oh, he's seeing somebody else or he's interested. I had to go through this conversation today when I was talking about... <laughs> When I was talking about, I'm going to talk about this. This is a good one. This is a good ventilation segment. Not really. I was, yeah, it's a good one. I was talking about getting an additional tattoo soon. Oh, now Here I, we go. Now, I mentioned what the- Midlife crisis it's is starting not, to hit. No, it's not. This is a tattoo I've wanted for a significant amount of time. It's actually the symbology of my as above, so below uh, principles nice. and my uh, all of that that I believe in. It's a circle inside of a triangle inside of a square. It's just a, it's a symbolic thing. For a book that I care a lot about. And then she said, well, where are you going to get it? I said, you know, I've been thinking about <laughs> various locations. I said, I'm leaning towards chest in between the little collarbone region right there. She said, so women can see. <laughs> and deep down inside, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> But also because it is the most appropriate location for that. And I also mentioned in detail that I would only want the top of the triangle on display in my neck region, like when I wore a button-down or a polo shirt without an undershirt, which I tend to do sometimes if it's hot, if it's 105 degrees. I don't know how you do it, buddy. Look, first of all, <laughs> I wish we had visual <laughs> right now. I wish we had a YouTube camera zooming in so they could see that you're hardly wearing an undershirt. There's like this much, about a quarter of an inch of undershirt that I could see. So it's literally for your comfort at this well, point. It's to save the shirt, right? Wait, wh why do you wear an undershirt? Well, this is something pits. I've never heard of before. For the pits. So if my 
if I'm sweating and getting pity, it's not going to, it's going to ruin my undershirt, which I are pretty inexpensive. I can change those out Interesting. and the shirt lasts a little longer. You don't want to know why I wear undershirts or don't. It's literally for the style. Yeah. Like some shirts look better without an undershirt. And some That's true too. Okay. Like every now and then I'm like, man, I hate the way that undershirt looks, but I want to get, I don't want to go pit it out. So, but, um, then it's go on the face, man. I, th- I think it would look uh, nice thanks. down your cheek. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> can you see us in the Spotify meetings now or the Apple iTunes? <laughs> so you guys are the faces behind me andering. <laughs> yep. <laughs> What, yeah, what sort a reason, of there's a reason we're doing podcasts? What sort of witchcraft is on your face, sir? Anyways, I don't want to be. This is where um, I should give it six to eight months to talk about this. But I can talk about it in more yes. general. No, I can talk about it in a more general sense. This isn't even necessarily applicable to uh, my former partner at all because she's not like this. But women's minds do go to worst case scenario quite often. Well, most people, I think, kind of do that. I wouldn't just say women. In a relationship? Uh, Okay. Because isn't there always a looming thought of like... When you start to do things differently, yeah, that's, that's a cause for alarm. See, that's fascinating because to me, doing things differently insinuates growth and maybe wanting to change something up because you feel there's an issue with something. Honey, I realize I haven't bought a pair of jeans in five years. I'm going to go buy three tomorrow. And I'm oh. coming home. It just so happens that we're in the midst <laughs> of a major life shift. Uh, yeah, just so happens. Okay. But, you know. What if subconsciously you knew the reaction you would get by doing this, and that's really the reason behind making the purchase? I don't doubt that there's a sliver of that as a potential just saying. <laughs> but there's many facets to this. The other facet is that it is getting to be summertime and the sweatpant jogger thing is getting to be a little overbearing um, in Texas. I don't know how you do it. This is the first year that I've been as mobile as I am on a daily basis. I'm talking like upwards yeah, you, of 20,000, 30,000 yeah. steps. So I can't, jeans even are a little heavy. So yeah. there's a lot of new pairs of shorts. Beyond that, I've lost like 10 to 15 pounds over the course of the last month and a half from the juicing and all that and sticking to a pretty strict regimen of what I put in my body. So I have to do this. There's still a sliver. <laughs> but there's a sliver in all relationships that are coming to an end where it's like, I'm going to be all right without you. It's not a malicious one. It doesn't have to be. For me, I think I would give the impression Oh, gosh. I want to hear this. <laughs> Go ahead. Please, I'm, I'm on pins and needles. Are you really? Yes. I'd want to give the impression that I'm heartbroken and sorrowful and I'll never be the same without you. But I would want just that impression for her. Behind closed doors, it's out of town, Morgan. Drinking. You don't think that she sees that? Or she no, would see she that? See that. I'd, well. If I screwed up and let somebody who talked to her in on that back, back in on the back side of the party. And then, uh, you know, that would be, she would know, and then it would be all over. But now nah, I would try to keep up the heartbroken facade. <laughs> Man, it's just me. 
Oh, what a facade. 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 <laughs> you're, you're, I'm not really heartbroken. I really know I can move on. I'm looking forward to moving on, but you know. It's a mixed bag for me, man. You know, like I, I said, it's it's multiple emotions. And I haven't talked to anyone about this in to this level of detail. So, so we probably shouldn't do it here. Right. Probably shouldn't. But it, but you seem to want to. Well, it's because I don't think that this sort of discussion has ever been had in podcast format. Maybe I'm, I'm sure wrong about does. that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Wrong. Yeah, there's a podcast for everything, right? Yes. You think so, though? Yeah. There's so many people that have podcasts and so many people who talk. I'm bound to have been a subject. Effectiveness makes a difference, though. I don't know. I'm not sitting here criticizing or harping or um, well, in your mind. airing dirty laundry. I found out what dirty laundry meant, by the way, like a week or two ago. I had no idea what that idiom was. So crazy. Yeah. Um, airing out dirty laundry to me was like uh, rumors or, um, yeah, just rumors. But it's not rumors. No. It's stuff you wouldn't want heard. It's like a skeleton in a closet. That's that's weird to me. Dirty laundry, I thought, was gossipy and, and rumors. Rumorish. It's bad things, I guess, or things that stink between that are, that are kind of hidden from the rest of people. And that's people. the beautiful and, part about this relationship is, well, the relationship that I'm, I was in is that, uh, there's, there's none of that. There's no dirty laundry from my perspective. So that's why I feel a little bit more available to like, discuss um, it here. Yeah, maybe I just wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to talk about it, I guess. Yeah. Outside. Of I am a talker. A handful of people that I might hold close that I'm, I may mention it, but I, I mean, but not Mongolia. Not Mongolia. It's all right. They don't. They probably don't give a shit. They're probably asking. Like COVID might just be hitting in Mongolia now. Yeah. Now they're they're hitting so their now they're algorithms, really like, churning yeah, out. Like, hey, these guys. What what is all this? Perhaps I know India is going off the hook right now. Yeah, India's crazy. You don't have a choice, right? So you might as well embrace the suck, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, make the best of it. Yeah, I'm absolutely heartbroken. Hey, look, you know, it's like an end of an era. I've always, you know, there are certain things that will happen in life where it's like, that was an era of my life that just came to an end and we're starting a new era of my life. F-A-C-A-D-E, it's French. (laughs) I like words as well. What about fellatio? What's your favorite? You go from one extreme to the other. Do you have a do you have well, favorite words that those, you can Those fans of the movie Bad Words really enjoyed that last word. Oh you? yeah, from yeah, of course because it makes for crude humor when kids are involved. That's terrible. But yeah, little, bad words. The little Indian kids You'd asking the, him on the plane. He's like, "Well, what's your favorite word?" And he goes, "Felicia." <laughs> You'd be in movie trading company. Oh boy, Ryan oh, you kids gotta, minds. Yeah, you got to check this one out. Bad Some, words. Yeah, bad words. It's a would be brilliant good. movie. The chemistry. Think of the chemistry. From uh, someone joining the podcast yes. or from dating someone that young? Joining the podcast. I'd probably be fine. Fantastic. We, everybody, every, we, we roll with any guests. Yep. 
Am I a bad influence now to people who have spouses that are like, oh, he's he's divorced? (laughs) No. Okay. You know the aura. (laughs) Not for me. But you know the aura of a divorcee, right? The the stigmas with it. I don't know if that really applies today, right? It's weird. I've been thinking about it. I'm like, I hope I'm not the. I would have thought the stigmas of I have bought a lot of Hawaiian together shirts and having kids without being married. I would have thought those stigmas would be more today than getting divorced. But yeah. what do I know? But those numbers just keep going through the roof. Yeah, they well, all numbers go through the roof. And they're initiated eighty two percent of the time by women, FYI. <laughs> um I'm allowed to say that. No, you're not. Why? It's a statistic. I can't wait till the 22-year-old gets on the show and you start spouting these things. That's what I, I want. I'm going to catch her off guard. She's going to learn oh, a lot about God. statistics. I, I think you'll be taught a whole new point of view. Good. Maybe this is all a facade. This is statistics, huh? This is statistics, yeah, that uh, divorces in today's world are initiated uh, largely in a substantial amount by women. I feel like that's an interesting Kim Kardashian again. Hold on. I need a pause here. I don't know if that statistic is true. It is. It's not. According to National Center of Health Statistics, 50% of marriages in the United States end in divorce, and about 80% of the divorces are initiated by women. This is as of 2016, so that's probably around 99% now. It's five years old. So it's around 99%. I think guys are a little lazier with that. That's because, well, let's because, let's talk. Let's because, argue why that's the case. Well, I think in it's because most, we're happy. No, 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 no. It's going to cost us money. Interesting, right? If I got young kids, that's um, child support, right? That I'm going to have to pay. If um, we don't have any kids and and I make the money and my wife doesn't make much, it's alimony I got to pay, right? So I think. I think they're probably less likely from a financial standpoint in some cases. Very rarely is it a mutual, easy thing that's done, right? A lot of times it gets very ugly. It's drug out over a year or more. That's true. It's And, you know, you're talking thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in in legal fees, and it's it's very ugly. Um, Okay. Well, here's the good news. We can stop talking about this topic because we've got another question. Oh, no. This is a little lengthier one. Do you think that greed would persist as strongly as it stands today? Yes. Wait, (laughs) this is is a perfect meandering question. You got to let me finish, Morgan. Do you think greed would persist as strongly as it stands today if a comfortable lifestyle were guaranteed given the potential efficiency of the community type? Suggested in local local um, local work. Sorry, you'll have to repeat that because all I could think of was that's what she said to to which part. Something you said earlier. Comfortable lifestyle. You've got to let me finish, Morgan. Oh, she's that's repulsive. (laughs) We just lost all of our sponsorships. Great. Is Club still around? They're my. You're talking to a guy who hasn't seen a dirty magazine since the time of the century. I haven't seen a dirty magazine. Here, you want a juicy topic? I haven't watched porn in two, three months. <laughs> like he says that, like he's proud. Like, I am proud of like it. Like he's broken an addiction. Like 
I've been sober for two. <laughs> well, let's talk about it for a second. We'll get to this okay. amazing question here in a, in a bit because it does um, add on to the previous conversation we had about local jobs. And I think that's an important one to have at this exact moment in time. It matters. No, it does because in a year's time, you're either going to have an entire demographic, or not demographic, but an entire landscape that caves in or continues to move closer to UBI and something like that. It's right now we're just biding our time with that. That's all we're doing by giving people 80% of what they were making prior to the shitstorm. So we got to talk about that a little bit. And this question adds on to that, but let's go back to what we're talking about. Your porn addiction. Well, no, there, there was never a porn addiction to begin with. Okay. But I didn't like watching porn i've got i haven't gotten there yet <laughs> a lot of my male <laughs> friends that i talk to about this feel the same way as you do like I'm, i mean sometimes it's far less exciting than it used to be i told did i tell you the uh the trend towards what what i was um watching towards the end of this i was just turning on like uh showtime I was watching like top soft, soft core is what gotcha. And then just like that, I'm done. It was like an e-cigarette. When I quit smoking, I smoked an e-cigarette for like a couple of weeks and then I was done. Cold turkey. Cold turkey, man. And there's no looking back. There's no looking back. There, I don't see a scenario well, in which I am back to like two or three times a week kind of guy. Well, we all have a spank bank, right? What is that? Rest, What's a spank bank? Memories. Oh, memories. Oh, yeah, I have that. Yeah. So like you particular. Don't, you don't always need the visual stimulation of porn. You've got a bank of memories uh, that you can rely on for a while, but sometimes you got to replenish the bank, bro. But what? If, but what if your brain is or create new bank with fantasy? I don't know. Maybe. I find it interesting that it's at this point in my life that I'm doing that, though. You'll come back. <laughs> You're like, what is this tentacle porn? Uh, no. <laughs> Me entering episode 17, <laughs> 18, one of those two. Okay. Back to a more serious topic. We'll leave the right. Sash porn tendencies, which are non-existent. And I'm proud to say that. I should be okay with admitting that. And I am okay with admitting it. Sure. Isn't it weird that like, I would feel guarded about saying that I don't watch porn, not to you, but like to a group of people. That is weird. Cause you know I would I mean? assume that most don't, um, with any regularity. Most men don't with regularity. I Holy don't, I don't shit. Know. I don't know. You would assume that. I think most men, Three to five times a week. Young guys. Watch porn. Yeah. Doesn't mean they do anything guys with porn. Age? They just watch porn. Even if it's just browsing boobs and stuff like that online. Where, where do you draw that line, though? Is it like looking at, you know, the swimsuit edition of no, Sports that's not Illustrated? It's not pornography. I know, but you're saying you're just looking for boobs. What, what if that satisfies your boob thing? Is that not? Well, if they're topless, then it's a it's, level of pornography. I get, I get that, but sometimes. You don't need it to be topless. In fact, you might not want it to be topless. Ah, uh, because you want the allure, the yeah, mystery. Yeah, you want the yeah side boob, side boob. Yes, 
Well, side boobs unavoidable sometimes. Yeah. Because if you're on social media, some friend might post a side boob picture. And you're like, yeah, I don't class. See, I, I don't classify that as porn. I'm not like, oh, yeah. My well, I don't either, but I'm just saying that could be. That could oh, fill the material. Porn, that could fill the porn void. <laughs> you know, we don't get them anymore, but the old. Um, well, we might get the catalog sometimes. I think my mind is just so focused on other stuff now that I don't need it anymore possible that's very interesting to me um, but anyways I'll, I'll i'll elaborate on the developments as the weeks progress okay i really don't care but you know but you know me i'm gonna maybe s- there's a listener out there that gives a shit about your porn I watching bet there is okay but uh i'm gonna just to spite you i'm okay. gonna never go back <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> we've lost a good one <laughs> He used to give us a good three to five. <laughs> All right. Back to the really good question. <laughs> have I, I have told the story about All right, not yet. chat rooms, right? In, um, in the nineties and early no, 2000s? chat chat rooms on the, the porn sites now that, uh, you know, <laughs> um, you know, they'll have like this a is live the first time you and I have talked porn for more than six minutes. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So you know how, you, you know, you'll have those live, you have the live feeds for the live girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I vaguely, I vaguely remember these live Jasmine, something. Sure. Like that. Sure. Right. <laughs> and you, know, you just land on someone randomly and you know, they're waiting for people to pay before they go to a private session or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so generally there's a chat with that, that you can see the guys saying crude things like, you know, show us more of this yeah, or whatever. Yeah, do this, do that. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes there's a conversation going on between two guys who don't even <laughs> seem to be paying attention to the girl. I'm just saying it's some added entertainment value if you're, you know. Um, Fascinating. So. Uh, you think it's authentic or could it be propaganda algorithm driven? No, I think it's authentic. Okay. I, it's literally two guys that are just like chummy chummy. And- it, there's always seems like there's seven or eight guys in here, right? And so <laughs> that sounds so so weird, right? Yeah. And so I'm sitting there in the chat. <laughs> One of the seven or eight. Contemplating whether I should pay to see anything. And then I read in the chat, this guy goes, I'm gonna kill myself. Oh my god. Holy shit. So wow. I am uh I'm like that's interesting. <laughs> You've chosen this a platform. porn site with with this poor girl sitting on the other side mm. who has to take your comments seriously, right? Cuz she can't just ignore it. And so immediately she's like, "Oh my god, no, you can't do this, right?" What do you want me to do? <laughs> She's not quite going there. I mean, it's it's weird. It's this odd erotic type atmosphere that's starting to happen. And then just like, it's like nothing. Right. And so the other guys in the chat room can't handle it. Like, go ahead and get it over with, dude. (laughs) What did you say? I'm, I said nothing. I'm just observing. Oh my gosh. And so she, you can see her, she's talking to someone uh, that's in the room with her. And then she's obviously getting on line and she's sending an email or chatting with somebody who's that at the main thing that, that has the porn channel. They're trying to figure out where this guy's at. She's trying to talk to him sure. and he keeps just saying, 
I'm ending it. This is it. Wow. It was the weirdest thing to watch. And it was mesmerizing for about two and a half minutes. And then all of a sudden it goes dark. Yeah. It's one extreme to the other. Like you're saying, you go from intimate setting to like, what is happening or is this actually happening? Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, how am I ever going to know the end of this story? Was this guy really depressed and going to kill himself? Couldn't you? Well, I guess you could have been um, investigative journalist and you could have come back the next night and asked the girl. (laughs) But I don't think she knew, but I mean, her feed cut and that whole room cut and all of us got kicked out of the chat room, but it was super interesting and funny all at the same time, even though suicide's not funny. It was just, Oh, right. No, but my reaction to when you said that was like, is it was a, the, like I, I think if I was going to do stand up comedy, I would work yeah. this whole story Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Because it's the environment, now, the setting. Now I'm going to different chat, different ladies to see what kind of chat's going on. And I'm as much interested in the chat as anything else. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, every now and then I'll pop in there and, hey, did anybody see the score of the Mavericks game? <laughs> Back to the ongoing running discussion we've had with a listener of the show fairly recent um all right let's get back to a semi-serious yes the only serious topic we've really had tonight has been contributed by this listener so thank you in the show yeah i don't know that it's a he Hmm. um it's anonymous anonymous mystery Hmm. so um i don't see this come through it's an email so you remember the first question, right? The locality, uh, the localization of jobs? Sort of, sure. Okay. This is the add-on to this. Okay. Do you think greed would persist as strongly as yes. it stands? Go ahead. You cut me off at the same Sorry. exact time. Sorry. But- Do you think greed would persist as strongly as it stands today if a comfortable lifestyle were guaranteed given the potential efficiency of the community types that have been suggested in localization of uh, work? Yes. How does greed persist if the sense of community is blossoms to levels that has not been experienced on been experienced on since like the village days, but in this world that we live in now? We've talked about this before. We've talked about a village like not barter system in the traditional sense, but a village like community system out there actually working and designed to work. How does greed was the blacksmith greedy? Was the town doctor greedy? Sure. I don't know that that's true in a historical sense. I feel as if the communities were stronger than ever when they were tight-knit. The real estate agent is greedy. The banker is greedy. Those are results of expansion. What we're talking about here is contraction. Bringing the work more intimately. If there is something to be had or gained, there will be greed. Period. End of story. Doesn't matter what it is. What if it's all, what if everybody gains evenly? It'll never happen. There will still be somebody jealous. There'll be somebody competitive. There will be somebody greedy. That wants more. That will, I think human history's taught us that will always exist. What if the people who run the communities don't allow that? How are they going to not allow that? They're going to kick somebody out? Yeah. Is that really a sense of community by kicking someone out? Who doesn't prescribe to the sense of community that you're trying to um, instill? Yeah, absolutely. It's okay to kick somebody out. It happens now. 
with laws. If somebody doesn't abide by local yeah. laws or state laws, they get kicked out. Right, but there's no law against greed. But that's what I'm suggesting. No, that's a terrible law. <laughs> terrible. Oh, well, I'm not suggesting a like law that says the outlaws greed. I'm suggesting a law that within the structure of the community's design says we're not about greed. So if you it's just like the discuss here we go. Now we're meandering. Someone is. No, it's like what we were talking about with my business plan of paying people to go and upsell out in stores genuinely. You mentioned this too in your uh, perspective of the app that's coming out and what you'd like to see it do, maintain integrity in. It's the same thing. It's just a bigger example of it. If there are communities out there that take form in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years that say, hey, this is what we're about now. We're in the middle of the 21st century. We're trending towards the year 2100. The archaicness and the infrastructural ways that things have been done before are not going to fly here. You see this in Sweden. You see this in other parts of Scandinavia and other regions of the world where they say, look, the Americans can do it how they want. We're going to do it how we want. And in the long run, we'll see who benefits. I mean, I've been speaking to a, a friend in Sweden on and off about how things go there comparatively. So my daughter just started school recently. And I mentioned the fact that paying $700, $800 a month to send her to a school that I feel is um, a decent on-ramp for an education that's slightly, I know you disagree with this, but slightly elevated comparatively to public school education. So we're just trying to see if that is a, is a potentiality and, and observe the results. And we're having to pay $800 for it a month. Well, in Sweden, they don't do that. <laughs> in Sweden, it doesn't cost you much at all to put your child in a school of your choice. It's just dependent on locality and whether or not it's available. Now, I get it. There's a ton of factors there, population, et cetera, et cetera. But that's what we're discussing back in this particular talk is building communities, structuring them to accommodate all of the setbacks that we've experienced up to this point so that it's comes about differently for the second half of the 21st century. Because it's now or never in so many of these regards, not just stuff like climate change or anything like that. You have to. You have to stake a claim to what you want to see change. So you, you do realize that in Sweden, like the personal income tax is 61.85%. Six out of every $10, actually 61 out of every $10 you make, $6.10 out of every $10 you make goes to the government. You get $3. And the government does a whole hell of a lot more for you than it does here. It balances out. It doesn't. Free, I'm telling you that free does not school balance out. doesn't balance out. Public school here is free. <clears throat> Landowners pay for it. Okay. Free health care doesn't balance it out. Well, you're, it's not free. You're paying for it. Well, the trade-off. You also have a population of 10 million people. 10. I agree with you there. The population difference is significant. Mm -hmm. 
you live where it's not warm. So it's not like you can move around a lot. They play ab all day. <laughs> and ace and base. I mean, and everything there, from what I understand, is pretty expensive. How can it be expensive if you get like, so little? Like I think like a burger is like 30 or $40. <laughs> really? Yes. I mean, we hear bits and pieces like free school, but how do you really know what what's good in school? Who's making the decisions as to what they learn in school or government? That's a little scary for me in a lot of ways. It's called the Nordic model. They actually have a name for it. I mean, a Scandinavian like um, model for their economies and their mode of living, I guess. The Nordic model is a term coined to capture the unique combination of free market capitalism and social benefits that give rise to a society that enjoys a host of top quality services, including free education, free health care, as well as a generous guaranteed pension payments for retirees. These benefits are funded by taxpayers and administered by the government for the benefit of all citizens. So what happens in your population ages, like ours is, and you have more people in retirement than you do working? I think the surplus of tax money that's sitting waiting to be dispensed. There's no surplus. I don't know that to be true over there. Do you know that for a fact? Well, if you have a natural disaster, how are you paying for that? You're <laughs> When's playing... the last time you heard of a natural disaster? Well, I guarantee you, I'm guarantee you they have earthquakes. Oh, no. No way. Guarantee it. No. Guarantee you they have weather issues. No. Guarantee it. They have cold winters. They don't have... What's the worst a winter storm can do? It's a blizzard. They don't have hurricanes that high. (laughs) Right? It could get ugly (laughs) with the winter weather coming up next year in Texas. Um, Sweden doesn't experience natural disasters on that level. And again, this is maybe in their advantage to crank out a model like this, um, for not only Sweden, all of Scandinavia does this Nordic model. So I don't know. It's a mixed economic system that reduces the gap between the rich and the poor through redistributive taxation and robust public sector. So Yeah, but okay. So it takes away all incentive to actually grow and be, be successful because it takes away incentive to be greedy. It takes, well, you know what? Greed is growth. Greed mm. is progress. Greed is driven so much. And we all, we always look at it as negative and it, and it is sort of, and, it, and I agree. There's I think it's perfectly point, balanced. I, I don't, I, honestly, I, I think it is balanced. You have so many people right now in this country Calculating, do I make more on unemployment or will I make more working on this job? So what what is that telling you? That's telling you, so if I just do this menial job and only make $40,000 a year, or I can go ahead and finish my education and I can get this really cool job for $150,000 a year, you know what? I don't want it. I don't want the headache. I actually bring home more money when I only make $40,000 a year. You take away the incentive to push people into higher positions with higher skills when you do this. And the people who go to those positions, quite honestly, are being taken advantage of, in my my opinion. Why is it their job to shoulder the economic burden of the people who aren't incentivized or don't want to get up 
get up off the couch and go get a job. How? Why, why is somebody who, get, who, who might have diabetes be able to pull a pension from the time they're 21 and never work a day in their freaking life in oh, this system? I, I agree with you, but that happens here. Yeah, but here they don't. They that happens here, here, here in abundance compared to like not, Sweden. Here you're not living on your own on, on pension. Well, now wait a second. Let, let me just Google how many Americans are on disability. Well, they have 10 million people, bro. 10 million. Right. That's like Dallas Fort Worth. 61 million people on disability here in the United States of hey, America. Okay. That's the, one in four adults. You think that's lower there? Yeah. I, I bet it's not. I you, bet one in four is not. In Sweden? Let's see. They have 10 million, you said, right? Let's do the math. Sweden it's disability. 2.5. Let's see. They probably don't have that many people, but... <clears throat> 36,000 individuals in the age group from 20 to 44 receive disability services in Sweden. Um, second largest group was 45 to 64 with 17,000. So cumulatively, those two age ranges, 20 years old to 65, 36,000, 17,000 is 53. So 53,000 people out of 10 million. Not fractional. This is a conversation that we should dive into right now if we want to. Because there is a stark, and you're going to hear this from a Canadian, so it might not be palatable all the time. But definitely give me your feedback as to whether you think I'm being too harsh on this country or its people. Um, but you've agreed with some of these things in smaller indications. Uh, this is a victimization society. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when you can walk into a doctor and say, my leg hurts. Morgan, you could be on disability, getting, staying at home, getting paid $1,500 a month probably at a minimum. You can't do that here. You can't just walk in healthy and do that. No, but you're not. You have a leg ailment. You could be on disability. You have you think that can't you think that can't or doesn't happen in Sweden? It doesn't statistically. It, does. it doesn't. It does. But we just read the stats. It's what? What's sixty three thousand out of ten million? What's the percentage? Two? One? How do they? How do they term disability in the United States? I'm trying to tell you. You walk into a doctor. You say, no, "Hey, I got nerve damage in my leg. Let's take an X-ray." Yeah, you do have leg damage. Uh, I can't work any job. Uh, that requires my legs. You're right. You can't. You got leg. You got nerve damage. Okay. Um, let me go ahead and make a phone call to this 800 number and see if I can get $900 a month because I can't work a job where I have to stand up. But on the weekends, I go play disc golf. That would just be your scenario. <laughs> How many people are on disability out of 61 million in so America that aren't really disabled? Okay. The 61 million adults in the United States live with a disability. That does not mean they're on disability, good sir. Oh, they're just disabled. So how many live on disability? <laughs> I wish you would read past the goddamn headlines. Oh, wait a second. How many Americans are paid, are on disability? Out of those 60, I get the same thing. How many Americans are on disability when I Google 61 there, million? But it's not saying on disability. It's say living with disability. I understand you Googled on disability, but that's not the thing that's popping up. Hmm. Mm, okay. 
I would like to find that number out. Because it makes a difference. And keep in mind, two in five adults age 65 or older ah, have a disability. Here, just a little bit further down, you get to the Forbes article from 2013. How Americans Game the $200 Billion a Year Disability Industrial Complex. SSDI. Applications per thousand adults in U.S. unemployment rate. Oh, this is this is pretty much your argument for unemployment and people staying at home and not doing is my argument for the health dilemmas and um, quote unquote the pandemic of ailments that have been hitting this country in the last twenty years. It's, it's not just this country; that's worldwide. But in this country. You get paid if something's wrong with you. Not necessarily. <laughs> you do not just get paid because you walk into a doctor and, and go. You can get paid for being 400 pounds. How, how do you get paid for that? I'm immobile. Can't work. Yeah, I mean, that does happen. So... You want the easy way out, Morgan? Go ahead and go to McDonald's for the next year. Put on a good 250 and you can retire next year. But not really. This is what I'm saying, though. It's not like you're getting a living wage. You're getting a couple of hundred bucks a week, tops? Maybe not even that. Maybe not. So if you live at home with mom and dad, then... Great. You know, great. You can buy all the video games you want. And you're probably pretty happy. But if you don't have a support system around you, family members that you can live with, and you're trying to live on your own on disability, you're not making it. You're living in homeless shelters. You're living in very bad places because the rent's extremely low. So many, so many things that need to be tackled. You can't let this kind of stuff perpetuate, though. Just like you can't let the unemployment stuff perpetuate you can't let laziness perpetuate. If you're trying to build up a stronger community, state, country, you're only as strong as the sum of your parts. <laughs> well, why are you laughing at that? It's too poetic. It's not, I think you're missing a uh, part of that. <clears throat> I am. I'm not so great with adages. Hmm. I like that you get a little fiery in this talk. What is it that you don't like about my criticisms of the United States is um, laziness? You don't think it's true? You don't think it's accurate? Oh, I... I wholeheartedly think people are lazy, but don't they have a right to be lazy? Not everyone is going to be this motivated self-improver looking to do the best for the community. Um, no, no, that's, that's exceptional, but they can certainly be self-motivated. Why do they have to be? Because I feel if they're not, then it's an unnatural reason why they're not. Whether it's the diet, whether it's conditioning, whether it's um, 
distraction, whether it's mental illness brought on by those things, there are reasons like you're you're born, and some people sure are born into very harsh circumstances, but you get to a certain age where you have some semblance of control over the direction that your life goes from that point forward. Like to where you have a little bit of control over it. Whether you can come from a family of people who never went to college, uh, have IQs in low double digits, and you can say, I'm going to be different. And you might not in the long run. You might be a victim of genetic just dependencies that it's going to take a few more generations for the first kid to go to college or the first kid to um, do something amazing with themselves. But here, this is just from my perspective, it seems like there are too many outlets to say, it's okay if you don't. Like, we got you. Because we need you to be a consumer at the very bottom of the barrel, as long as you're still a consumer, we're okay with whatever your life decisions are. As long as you have money to buy food. So, okay. So what do you do with these people? That's what, that's. You tell me, what do you do with them? Well, what about the breakdown that our, our listener gave us about localizing work? You're going to try to make somebody who doesn't want to work, work. How will that work? Because you're going to tap into the reasons why they don't work. I don't think you ever will. But can't we, we can't use data that we have already. I know, I know a couple, how many people do you know right now in your personal life that you can name that have been, um, not lazy workers, but people that have tried to avoid work for a long period of time? Like for five plus years, whether they're relatives or friends you grew up with that I can name two or three people that are like a job is a worst case scenario for them. (laughs) Yeah, I can probably name a few. So if you know them and you know how they operate and you know that they're doing it for reason, like if you allow them the chance to say, okay, they don't want to work. Maybe it's because they're. Uh, creative in other endeavors and they want to do something, they want to carve their own path, they want to uh, fulfill some destiny that they felt has been in them since a young age. If you give them the opportunity to see that pan out and it just doesn't pan out and it just boils down to them not wanting to work because they don't like the demands of what work entails or reporting to some location or the structure of it, or the social anxiety of it in some cases. You can brainstorm all these reasons why people really don't want to work and get past all the rationalizations that they'll throw out, and then you can build your community around that, around the things that people unconsciously don't want to admit is the reason why they don't want to work. Yeah, there's no way. Hmm. There is no way. I have a younger brother, uh, not James who is not, well, he has held a job, um, who has worked 8 to 12 months out of his 25-year life. 
it wasn't until recently that I understood why. And it's because with his personality type, and there are clinical things going on in this particular case, the job has to be like ideal from jump. And I know that's a tough, it's a tough thing to like say, like that's not going to happen with people. But I think we're, we're getting to a point where it's gonna, that's going to be a big thing. People aren't going to work because they're staying at home with their parents. They have the choice, the comfort, the availability to not work. And that right there is a big problem, right? But do you force that person to work or do you put things in place to where they might be enticed more? If you want the economy to thrive and if you want to put these people long term in situations that can benefit the larger environment, you don't like wait for them to wake up. You you put things that lure them in to work. You design work that is attractive. <laughs> Why is that so hard? Because when I have a product or a business, I'm not designing my business around enticing people to work in this job. That's silly. I'm, Why wouldn't you do that? That's what Steve Jobs did. No, it's not what Steve Jobs did. And hey, by the way, if Microsoft and Bill Gates weren't there to bail his stupid ass out, <laughs> there would be no Apple today. But that's what Bill Gates did. Bill Gates designed Microsoft to appeal to the people who loved everything about computing he in the early not 90s. Design, he did not design Windows for to entice people who are lazy to come work. <laughs> he did not do this. He designed Windows and was greedy with Windows, getting it installed on every new computer that gets sold. And then realized that he needed a much larger infrastructure of people. You're selling a product, you build it around the product. It's nice if the people can feel as though they're a part of that growing process with the product. But ultimately, I'm not creating jobs to make so to find, oh, this person likes to do this or that. Well, I need to create a company and have a job that will allow this person to work. And no one's doing that. And I'm finding it hard to place you in in this utopic world. Where what are you gonna do there? I'm gonna be blowing it up. <laughs> You're gonna be the anarchist at that point. That's funny. I'm the quote unquote anarchist now. <laughs> but you turn into the anarchist once we reach utopia. That's so fascinating. No, what I'll do is I'll be sitting back and um I might work, maybe. Maybe not. I might just do just enough. No, you'll work. I'll do just enough (laughs) so no one says anything. And then I'll just sit back and wait. And in a couple of weeks, I'll... You want want access to all-day racehorses or all-day horse racing? In a couple of weeks when everybody leaves and goes away and everybody's going, well, what happened? I'm like, told you. Told you. Do you want your access to all-day... Gambling and horse racing? I wouldn't want to gamble every day. Oh, okay, good. Not that greedy. It's good. I don't think you can do... Well, I'm not that way. I, I can't do one thing... Oh, no, of course ...for not. a long period of time and just kind of live and breathe it. I, I can't. I, I, I've i got to branch out from... 
Are you? Uh, yeah. Would you consider yourself a man of many um, hobbies? Maybe not many hobbies, but many interests. Okay, so many interests. If all of those were accessible in Utopia, you know what you'd really do? You'd be doing those things and you'd not criticize the people that were maybe not working so much. And you'd just be enjoying your hobbies. That would never happen. And you'd be getting paid for it. If you could turn it into something that... I don't want to get paid for my hobbies. But what if you can provide an add of value based if, on your If I get paid for doing, for, doing, like, for doing a hobby... What if you got paid for teaching people how to how to bet on horse races? Would you quit your job tomorrow if you got paid eighty percent? If I got the same money, eighty percent, eighty percent. I don't think so. What? How is eighty percent of what the commute alone? <laughs> Come on, jeez, yeah, Louise. I don't, I don't, not for eighty percent. But then you get paid the extra 20% in, what's another hobby? Uh, like talking people out of suicide in porn chat rooms. Now that would be a job, right? <laughs> that would be a job. Because that is just ballooning out of control. <laughs> <laughs> the point, my version of this utopic community and sense of community, it, it does, it's not that drastic from where we're at now. It really isn't. It is. Oh, it's a few it's a few differences away. You have too many people in this world more worried about what the other person's doing or getting away with than what they're doing. So you've got um you know a coworker of ours is a that 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 was of ours was was a very good example of this. When very intelligent um, really, really could be really super good at what they do, but because the person next to them making roughly the same money gets away with, uh, you know, an hour and a half lunch break, they're not going to put any effort into anything they do to be the best. They just want to be, oh, like, yeah, absolutely. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That mentality is there in people. You have so many different personality types. I don't think people take into account the different personality types, the different strengths and, and, and stuff like this. You have to have too many people on the same page for something like this to work. Like from a community standpoint, a town of a thousand people, you can Might probably work, work it, yeah. right? But when you're talking about and sometimes, and you know, I, I don't know why you're not, uh, did you ever look into Michael Tellinger? The guy's yeah. Name? Little I mean, bits and like, pieces. This is one of his things is this mm-hmm. it's, Hey, I have this great plan. If your town's interested, let me know. Well, let's do this. Yeah. It's very much this way. Because it's, if it works locally and in a small well, setting, if you can get it in one it town, it goes to mm-hmm. another town, it goes to another town, mm-hmm. it, but, it, but that's how it would have to be. Yeah. Like it'd have to be organic. And even then you're not going to get it on this huge scale. People just aren't that way. Right. There, too many people need conflict. Too many people need. That's fascinating. Divisiveness. But that's not natural. I don't think. I think that is natural. I, I, well, I would, maybe it's not natural, but that's the way that we're kind of have evolved at this point that's the way we've evolved it's it's very tribal it's very much um but 
have you read up on the CIA or the the CIA stuff from the fifties and sixties? Do you know what the term depatterning means? Yeah. Okay. So do you think that these people who have been wired like this can be depatterned? No. Not in their lifetime. Let me t- You're talking about having to take. Here's how you depattern them. You you show them what they're missing out on, and then FOMO hits. I you know what that might have worked in the fifties. It worked with Bitcoin. It won't work here. It worked with Bitcoin. No, it didn't. Bitcoin was a big science experiment to test out whether or not people. That's can a conspiracy be. theory. Well, at the time of this recording, it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, Bitcoin is a science experiment. It is not. You're a part of it. <laughs> I do have a piece of it. You are it, yes. a subject of the science experiment. I did up to... Actually, I, don't know. I, I think I put everything back in Bitcoin. I should probably check that. Oh, no, I got I got a little bit of ripple, good old ripple effect. Um, Yeah, I'm killing myself about not heavily investing in Doge back then. Cool. FOMO's a thing, though. We should use FOMO to our advantage. I don't... I don't is it really a thing? Yeah. If you show some someone something that they're genuinely missing out uh, on that they want to be a part of. But th- that's not necessarily, that's not good. That's manipulation. No. Yes. No. It's using what social media does for the wrong manipulative reasons. And Look, just manipulating for good reasons is still manipulating at the end of the day. and manipulating. Is not a good thing. No, you're right about that. But there's no way around it. No, there is. It just takes hundreds or thousands <laughs> of years. It just takes a while. Well, we're on an accelerated timeline. We are not on any sort of accelerated timeline. Well, yeah, you need some of this stuff to start clicking into place. Oh, Otherwise, no. it's calamity. The world's not going nowhere. It's uh, an asteroid humanity comes by, might. is it? Uh, humanity might. And not in our lifetime. Not even in your kid's lifetime. Hmm. I don't. I can't bank on that anymore. I can bank on it for me because my age expectancy is like around seventy-eight, eighty. Smoked for six, seven years, so probably mid seventies. I can bank on it. Then the next thirty to forty, uh, you know, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna bank on anything anymore because <laughs> things are moving so quickly. You've said this yourself. Too fast. So quickly. So fast. Technology is moving very quickly. Yes. Okay. So in a year or two. I don't know. I don't know. If we were having this podcast five years ago and I tell you that um, I went to Tom Thumb and the Axe body spray that I held in my hand popped up as an ad, you'd laugh me out of the room? No. I wouldn't have enough evidence to show you that it was happening for a fact. I wouldn't have the, the big picture figured out to the point where I present to you my perspective without having it come off as a conspiracy. (laughs) Let me say it that way. So now what I'm suggesting is that I'm interested in the evidence that utopia works and it can be applied. It could be learned. It could be understood and it can thrive on a very local level. So I'm interested in pursuing that because all it really takes is a village of two or three to kick it off. And it turns on to te- it turns into 10, turns into 100, 
turns into a thousand. But then you gotta walk that rope very gently because you don't want to be called a cult and labeled a cult. Um, well, you are a cult at that point. You're a cult before you ever got to that point. That's ridiculous. You don't think religion's gonna come into play in in a in this utopia? It doesn't have to. I there's no way of it not happening. You can get a bunch of atheists. No. Okay. Then there's no way to keep religion out of it. And so if there's no way to keep religion out of out sight, of it, out of mind. No, no. No, you can't just take what's ingrained in humans. Well, no, that, and, but that's the thing. If we're all working together and we're all making it work, then we know that without saying much, we probably agree on a whole lot of other stuff. Religion will be a fact. Like if there's not a church in your town, you're, you're not going to get a bunch of people. The church is the day. The yeah, sense of community. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Again, so you're going to get atheists? So when the when the Christians come there and they buy into your idea, but they want a church to to go and pray at, you're going to tell them no, no church. Yeah, look at our doctrine, sir. It doesn't involve that. Oh, so you're going to be excluding people? Hey, yeah, we don't we don't believe the same way you do. Get that's out. That's not what we're saying. Well, it sure is what you're saying. No, that's saying we're we're not subscribing to the I divisiveness mean, that their doctrine tells them how to live. Well, we talked about their doctrine for three and a so half then hours. So yours is a religion. Your doctrine makes you a religion. And now you're going to be at war with other religions. And you're never going to get people to buy it. Well, the inverse of that is accepting all religions. And saying, we're not going to let you permeate your specificity within our construct. Because we accept you as you are. You don't need to convince us. Well, where do I pray? Well. You're going to make me pray in my home? I can't gather with my friends. I can't talk to George over here about being Christian. We're a town of 1,500 right now, buddy. That's where it starts. Give it a little bit of time. That's where it starts. A little bit of time. But but why do people want to accelerate that train so quickly? And and it's it's tolerable. Like, what I mean is, why is it okay to go zero to 100 with the... um, you're not accepting of my freedom of religion within your community, but we can't go zero to a hundred with like the fact that the the whole concept of this, this utopic scenario is that we're, we're axing stuff that didn't work. We've agreed that religion, you've said this out of your mouth, that religion is a big issue. Right. The human race will not move forward until religion is no longer a part of it. That's not happening the, in our lifetime, sir. That's not happening in the next 500 years. That's not happening in the next thousand years. I don't know that to be true. I do. Well, you know, you, a couple of things change that. Aliens change that. You think. <laughs> I mean, the whole belief system just changes around whatever you're confronted with as time goes by. Well, what if people are confronted with God? Whose God would it be then? Some people's God, but that wouldn't be everybody's God. What if it's an objective God? (laughs) Theoretically. You still have people, but they're wrong. What are the, they don't hold a candle to God. If God says, hey, this is objectively who I am. Who cares what Bob, the extreme Christian has to say? 
Who cares what my well, he's going to have his own sect. That's not going to get him to conform, which is what you have to have. By well, the way, then he's it's conformity. Everybody has to conform to the societal norm. Everybody does. That means no individuality. You can't be different from someone. Because the moment difference comes in is when greed comes in, is when jealousy comes in. No, you can be different, sir. No, you you can't. You just can't be different in the regressive way of being different. If you're different means that you're you're trending towards something that already has been or there's data on that leads to this and this and this, then you're not really – you're not different. That's the point. You're just inhabiting or inhibiting – an opinion or a way of life or, or a view that has already existed and has led to demise or anger or violence. We've seen it. Like if you're a religious zealot right now and you have a little church in, in Arkansas that hates black people, well, we've seen it already. You're not doing anything different. You're not, you're exercising but your these freedom to be different. will exist. They will not cease to exist because you don't want them to. Or they don't adhere to your doctrine. They're not going away. What if it's a combination of God and aliens? <laughs> you still think the opinionated human being stands a chance against God and aliens? They're not going to care. Well, well, is God going to kill them because no, they don't care? Not at all. But the aliens have the technology to make them irrelevant. Oh, to manipulate it. Mm-hmm. No, not They're manipulate. Irrelevant. Brainwash. Sure. That's not brainwash it. Brainwash or eliminate. That's no. about the only way you're getting there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you go down this path. Because, because it's a roadblock every time. You don't think that people can change. And I, then when I, I suggest I think they can that, change, but there's too many differences and too many people to think that everybody's going to get on the same page and work towards the same goal. Like just saying that makes me want to puke in my mouth. You're right. In like overnight scenarios, long-term. I, I don't, I don't want to work with other people towards a common goal in that way. But what if other people were working in their own way towards a common goal? You didn't know about it and it enabled you to do everything you ever wanted to do. I don't care. With your entire day. I don't care. I control, I control me. I, if other people are controlling me, that's a problem for me. But they're not. Sure they are. They're enabling don't you they to have... live a free life. Well, okay. I don't want to be enabled by someone else. No, but their work in the community enables I don't them. want their work in the community to enable me to do anything. But it kind of does it already. Like, no. taxpayer money enables you to drive on roads that are paved to get to work, to go buy a sandwich, <laughs> because. Well, that's not necessarily taxpayer money, but the the ballooning of restaurants and and the strip mall societies that we live in that accommodate you, the commuter, the worker, like this world around us accommodates people that work nine to five for the most part. So you're already there. But you're not doing. You're not doing what your heart wants to do. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. And I don't know why that's so wrong. In no, it's your not mind. wrong. It's not wrong. Or it's why just I'm telling you that progressively, that's what utopia is. Is we work towards that. Yeah, I I can't believe there's someone in the utopic society that's happy about shoveling shit. You're never <laughs> going to convince me of this. <laughs> you shovel your own shit. 
Take care. We of live your in a large community. <laughs> we haven't gotten to the sewage, and they are going to be crappy jobs, <sighs> pun intended, that nobody's going to want to do. Robot. That's not going to be robots. them living there. Robots. <laughs> okay, then just have the robots do all the goddamn work, and you just sit there and do nothing. No, because people want to do things. Yeah, people want to travel. People okay. want to buy things. That's you're right. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong people with catering. People want to catering. have experiences, right? What's wrong with that? You don't have experiences in the scenario you're th- you're talking about. Um, why not? Because you're part of the community and you can't really break away from your particular part of the community, right? Because if you fail to do your job, does it not affect other people? Oh, you're right. It does. But you've seen surrogates. So I can't just go do whatever I want. You've seen surrogates with Bruce Willis. <laughs> it's a decent sci-fi movie. It's not great by any means. It's It could be reality. Yes, but... It, it, we're probably leaning more towards uh, living in a virtual world than... Well, with a little twist. So in surrogates, Bruce Willis sits in a in a uh, pod all day. Yeah. That's not what happens here. Your avatar is out doing your thing, but your avatar is built on genetic code, uh, <laughs> personality, likes, dislikes, and all that. You basically got a robot version of yourself that's uploaded with all the data. But you're not in a pod. It's just doing its own thing. You get to do your own thing. No, I'd okay. get bored. Ugh. I guess you've just experienced so much of the world out there that it's just overwhelming. It would take you. long to get bored. I mean, what? You and I could go to Monte Carlo tomorrow, play blackjack in Monte Carlo. Then we could while go our, host our avatars do all of our work here. Then we could go host a meandering episode in um, Machu Picchu, somewhere extravagant on Oak. <laughs> Oak Island with Oak Island in the background, we could have a meandering episode. Mm. Then I can fly to see my mistress. And uh, never mind, this is a terrible idea. All of it. I don't know. I um, I see it as all attainable. I, something that could be attainable on a small scale, but not. And that's okay for starters, right? If it's they okay get for those people that want to do that, if they get large scale in 500 years, I'm okay with that. I mean, that could happen. I'm telling you, until you take religion out of the whole thing, uh, you're not going to move forward. Do you? Um, what the, I've asked you this before. Your definition of religion. What is it? <laughs> it's funny because I was telling Maggie today that being uh, shout outs to Mad Maggie. Being vegetarian is essentially being religious. Fundamentally, yes. But anyway. It's new age religion. But fundamentally, it probably trips the same mental receptors as someone who believes in certain well, aspects. Well, like I was saying, it was like... But so know, does sexuality. You have your devout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're vegan, so the devout who try to get everyone to be vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And then you have different belief systems, right? Um some will eat fish. Some will eat eggs. You have different eggs, but no interpretations. Dairy. Yeah, 
just of, like the alphabet along the sexuality yeah. uh, or scale. or like Baptist and Catholics absolutely and down that thing uh, we're just reenacting the and, core and fundamentals. you're sort of and you're having faith that the decision you've made helps the environment mm, helps animals. I don't know about that uh, I think so in the ranks I, of eating, I think a lot perhaps. of people today yes like if I uh, there'll be fewer animals slaughtered because I'm vegetarian now and because of that there'll be fewer emissions from cows or whatever. I think there's a faith that that actually happens if they make that, that decision. So sort of as sort of an interesting belief system it's like, why can't you just have a vegetarian based diet and have a hamburger every other week? Why do you have to, you're either vegetarian and you don't eat meat. There is no in between, which is weird. But that makes it seem a little religious to me. Like, hmm. but anyway, well, I digress. No, it's fascinating. You make a lot of good points. I've um, mentally, I've never wanted to be vegetarian. No, I don't. I don't know that I eat that much. I shouldn't say it that way. I don't eat meat every day. I don't even know if I eat meat four days a week. Now I you, might. You are twenty-eight years older than me. No. No. Twenty-four. About 10. 10, 12. Okay. So what I'm about to say is uh, I don't want it to alarm you. But I feel as if over the course of the last 10 years of my life that this is a combination of things, probably environment, conditioning, social social aspects. Sure, maybe I've been influenced here and there, uh, unconsciously even. But a lot of it has been just, in, in my opinion, natural progression towards being less meat dependent. <laughs> now, now it's interesting because I don't want to be vegetarian, but I started with just different dietary habits when I turned 25, 26 years old. I tried funky stuff like eating just eggs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a couple of months, just to test, um, experiment with stuff. And then over time, over time, all of a sudden I'm like, I know this is different for everyone, but I'm just like, red meat doesn't do it for me anymore. It's not because I'm disgusted by the slaughtering of cows. It's not because I don't find it to be delicious. It's just like, if I don't have a burger in front of me, I'm okay. Yeah. And then when that drops off, other things start falling with it, very like a cascade effect. And it's not really conscious, I don't think, because I like chicken too. I haven't had chicken in two or three months now. It's been a couple of months. Oh, wait a second. I took a bite of my kid's chicken nugget today. I, have at least I haven't had one chi chicken sandwich every week, it seems like. I haven't had a chicken-based meal dedicated to myself in a couple of months. I've eaten table scraps from my daughter that she's left over. Chicken and stuff nuggets. Like that. Yes. <laughs> Which could be argued it's not chicken at all. So that's falling to the wayside. I thought chicken was going to be real tough. But you see, this is what, and now this is where my mentality is, is you're already on the way out the door when it comes to some of these things. So why not just see what it's like to fully kick them? And I fall in that category of like dietary experimenter is I take note of where I'm at right now. And I'm like, what's the next step that I can get ahead of? So I can get there quicker to see what that's like and if I like it or if I enjoy it. 
Right now, for me, it's juicing. I, this isn't the first time I've juiced in my life, but it is the most consistently that I've juiced in my life. And two years ago, I can kind of recall the moment where that led up to this point. I was having a cup of soup, broth, every lunch break for about four months. And so my body got acclimated to that, strictly that. And you know the reason why I had broth? Because it was quick, it was accessible, and I wanted to go shop with the rest of my lunch break. <laughs> I wanted to use the 45 minutes of wiggle right. room that I have with my lunch break to actually do something productive other than eating because I think eating gets in the way. Um, That's interesting. I think that eating gets in the way of lunch. I think it needs to be more efficiently reduced. And I get some people take lunches with four or five people that they work with, and it's a big part of their lives, and it's social and all that. But for a solo guy who's taken 20 years of lunch breaks, for the most part by himself, lunch was getting in the way of things that I wanted to do. So I cut around it, and I just bought myself some time. And out of that, I started a business, too, <laughs> while at it, um, over time, of course. So then where I'm at right now is, like, it's working. All of it is working. So what happens if you push the needle a little bit further with what's working? And that's where you get into, like, the extreme diet I don't think ideas. you got to go there, though. But I don't know what I don't know what the results look like if I fast for 15 days. <laughs> what do I find a, a nugget of gold <laughs> buried under? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I am a cause effect guy at the end of the day. This Why don't is another. You just uh, go on like naked afraid and afraid or something. What is that? It's a reality show where they throw people in remote situations naked and they have Afraid. to live, and they have to live for and they have to make it 21 days in the wild essentially. I wouldn't be afraid. Of, I would just be naked. <laughs> I'd be all right. Well, it's amazing how how little they eat during that time sometimes. Like they'll always lose 20 plus pounds if they make it all the way. I think about that often like why am I but getting man, they acclimated? They have no energy. Their brain function slows way down. You don't know don't, the ins and outs of ketosis, though, and all that. Um, yeah, but I, I do know that to achieve true ketosis is almost impossible. Oh, true, of course, like absolute ketosis. But you get hints even of what it. Pe- even what? Okay, you get hints of it. Big deal. Well, the hints of it are accelerated, in my experience, accelerated clarity. Is it accelerated thought. because you want it to be? No, I don't think I have control over that. Mm. I. F- I, I don't think I look when I take an Advil um, for a headache or allergies or something like that infrequently. But if I do, I can feel the point at which the Advil is working. Do you, can you relate to that statement? Like when you take pain medication, you don't ever notice the time where, oh, that no. pain is starting to go away. No. Really? That's fascinating. Do you take pain medication for anything? Very rarely. Same here, but when you take it, you don't it's notice usually, your ailment go away? No, because I'm usually about to lay down. That's so interesting. Okay. Do you take allergy medicine? No, well, sometimes, but... Do you feel that go away? No. Like if you have a stuffy nose and you pop Benadryl or something, you don't feel your nose or I don't feel the moment that it goes clear, no. Okay. Well, I was using this analogy that it's not going to work because you don't feel these moments. That's interesting. I wonder if that's nutrition-based. 
just because you can eat at McDonald's all the time. You're out of touch with your body and brain. <laughs> it might be. No, I'll stay away from that. It might be. It might be, Morgan. <laughs> okay. I would say there's something clinically wrong with you if you are feeling the moment and recognizing the moment. Oh, I don't know. I think there's something right with you if you feel the moment. I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's designed so that it happens so gradually you don't notice the moment. Interesting. My analogy was that when I reach ketosis, which I've done probably a dozen times in the last six months because I'm on and off keto very frequently. And keto, ah, keto is such a cliche term for it. I don't even want to call it that anymore. Uh, I go into starvation mode uh, very easily for intentional purposes and to study what's happening. And so I can fast for a day or two or three on a whim. And when I do, Around this, the first day is always rough. It's like groggy. Um, this shouldn't be happening. My body rejects it to a certain degree. But then day two, nearly immediately, I wake up with energy that is comparable to like a bang. And then I have a bang. So it's like amplified. Well, then that's not true fasting. I guess not true. It is liquid fasting. Um, yeah, it is liquid fasting. So there's that, but I mean, yeah, I'm not, I've never dry fasted in my life. I've never not eaten or drank. Well, just drink regular water. Why do you have to drink something beefed up with vitamins? Tests, experiments. Yeah, you should just drink plain water with nothing else in it, and then do your test and tell tell me how that works out for you. You think that the bang supplements my lack of energy yes. from food? Yes, and allows you to function. It's not the diet, bro. It's the bang. But that's four to five hours out of the day. Well, yeah, but, then I like, come here but, on a but it has like a thousand percent of your daily B vitamin intake in the damn thing. Okay, I'll, t I'll take you up on this. <laughs> the next time I, I decide to do a little two to three day run, I will, n I will be bangless. And you should be. And then I'll still come on this show and we'll have one of the better episodes we've ever had. Okay. We've had five or six of them. When I've been in the midst of fasting, Miguel's fasted as well. And he's come here and he's, you know, not eaten or drank anything for that day. And he's had lengthy conversations to where I feel like we remolded and reshaped the ways of the world. <laughs> Perhaps that's that grogginess that you're not fully aware of. Maybe. Or it's the clarity that you're not fully aware of. I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm not starving my body. I know. You fear what might happen if you did. You, uh, you would have won that trifecta. No. Mm. Oh, you yeah, food had nothing to do with it. Your, your decision-making was clouded by the... Um, actually, decision-making was pretty clear. Nachos that you had an hour or two prior. I didn't even eat nachos. What did you have to eat? Uh, Seven-ounce sirloin. <laughs> Red meat. Yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, It'll nice do it. Seasonal vegetables. It'll do it. It's not tryptophan. That's turkey, right? That uh, yes. tires you out. And see, that should be evidence itself. If a if a meat, if a poultry that we digest can render you like just loopy and lackadaisical, kind of like a pill can. And tryptophan can do that. So can uh, melatonin. 
which is found in turkeys as well. That should be telling you that like diet can interfere with your state. Like what you put in your body can interfere with your mental clarity. I don't doubt that, but not putting anything in your body doesn't make your body better. I'll doubt that. Hmm. Nothing forever, yes, but nothing for long periods of time. Doesn't what? make you clear-headed. It doesn't make it doesn't grow your brain. In fact, it probably does the opposite. Interesting. I'll get back to you on that one in a couple okay, months. Okay, you get back to me on that. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see if my brain's grown. I don't know. It's. I always find the diet talks fascinating with you. Yeah, you like to talk diet just about every show. No, it's not a bingo card yet. Yeah, just because I haven't put it's it on the not. card yet. No. I. This is the first show I've ever used the K word. I don't like the K word. Well, don't worry. There'll be a different word for it. I hate the K-word. Do you know why I hate the K-word? Because it's on everything now. Yeah. And five years ago, it was just something people did, and then it caught on. FOMO kicked in. And now look what (laughs) the result of FOMO is. Fucking propaganda, advertisement. No, you you just have the wrong people who get on it and then can't shut up about it. That's not FOMO kicking in. That's advertising kicking in. That's FOMO. It's the people. The wrong people are the FOMOers. They're the ones who got into it and, and told everybody else to get into it. They're yeah, not missing out. They're not having a fear of missing out. They might fear that other people are missing out, but they're not fearing that they're missing out. Hmm. What if I were to tell you right here, right now, that uh, I sensationalize my need for everybody to see the way the things I do uh, as being the right thing? I don't know if you sensationalize No, it. what if it's a show? Like... If, what if I tell you that right here, right now, that it's a facade, that I don't want anybody to think. Well, I like the way you're using my words. <laughs> if I tell you that right here, right now, would you believe me? No. <laughs> then my deep cover is working. Sure it is. Mm-hmm. I don't mind promoting things that I believe in to people. I don't care if they hear it. And do something about it right then and there or try it. I I really don't. That aspect, I do not care. What I am interested in seeing is people realize a little bit more of their own potential that they don't see in themselves. Yeah, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) What a perfect response. Can we just bring the the twenty year old uh, beautiful girl in here and and sit her down next week? Can we do that? Yeah, I'll be happy to try to drive her to depression. That won't happen. Okay, can't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen one show. No, nah, it can't happen. You didn't drive me to depression. You just <laughs> resulted in me you're reevaluating. Not a, you're not a twenty year old girl. Oh, that's true. Thirty four, thirty seven. Oh, yeah, God. boy, those 30s are almost gone, bro. Almost what does that mean? Gone. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you better catch up quick. You you lost a lot of your 30s here. What does that mean? I didn't. I became a dad. I gained a lot of my 30s in many regards. Okay. I have a lot going for me in that regard. Sure. And I'm very optimistic about just the rest of my life as a dad. I was thinking about that. If If that's all the rest of my life were... 
moving forward, just being the best dad I could possibly be, I'd be content. If like I was stricken to being dad 24-7, 365 for the next 40 years, I may not enjoy every single second of it, but I would make the most out of it. And I'd be content with well, that life. Well, you would life. need to do it the next 40 years. What are you saying? Well, oh, yeah, that's right. Because, be a, yeah, eventually be a, independence. Eventually become less of a, of a job, right? Yeah. Oh, not that it's a job. It'd be less. The, the independence of the child would kick in and you wouldn't you wouldn't be around every waking moment. Yep. This is why I titled the episode last week having your cake and eating it from having your cake to eating it too is because that's utopia to me. You get your cake and you eat it too. Yeah. And ain't that's greed wrong. really. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Don't put it that's that way. absolutely greed having your cake and eating it too. But yeah. your cake is not like, Hey, I want the biggest wedding cake. I want it 40 tiers high. I don't want anybody else taking a bite. I just want to smother it and, 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 Ingest it all could be a frosting. small personal cake. It doesn't have to be all giant. It's still greedy. In order for something to be greedy, wouldn't other don't other people have to qualify as wanting it in order for that to constitute greed? I don't think so. So if I've got a cake and it's this terrible cake and it's not layered well and it's just the frosting's <laughs> melting, cake but might this be cake a bad idea about, right. about greed. Okay. But that cake's enough for me to be content and have every single day. Am I being greedy? No. No. Not at all. The less fortunate get any cake? They get nicer cakes sometimes. (laughs) Infrequently. (laughs) That was just a joke. Bad one. Greed's an interesting topic. Thank you, listener. One thing I have to have is sleep in order to learn. Fascinating. How many uh, hours do you average? Not as many as I should. How's that? So how much it learning just depends. do you? It's like it's, I have a really weird sleeping pattern. It's probably not healthy, but. Oh yeah. You go all out on the weekends and stay uh, up till on, like the wee hours. On like, I might, I'm generally falling asleep somewhere in the 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. hour Saturday night slash Sunday morning. And I'll sleep till noon at least. I'll probably have some breakfast slash lunch. I might be up for an, an hour, maybe two. I'll lay back down. I'll get up again about 8 PM, have some dinner maybe. And I'll go right back to bed another hour or two. And I'll sleep all the way to like seven o'clock in the next morning. I mean, I will literally sleep like 18 to 20 hours in a 24 hour span. But then the rest this of the is week, not allowed in our village, but then the rest of the week, I, it's like five hours. But you've Four built hours. up a surplus. So your body can th- probably take. It. I don't think it really works that way. You don't think so? I, I think it's bad for you to to sleep long periods of time like I do on a Sunday. And it's bad for you to sleep in short amounts of time like I do the rest of the week. Yeah, but you've probably grown so accustomed to it that your body's all right with it. Maybe. I think I mean, you're right. Short term, it's bad to do that. Yeah, you know, that's why sleep. I liked playing disc golf on Sundays because I didn't sleep all day. Say less. I'm there. <laughs> Let's do it. You ready this Sunday if it comes up? Are you sure? All right. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to rain. Sunday morning it is. Yeah. Get a round or two in. We can invite a couple of people maybe. Oh, that'd be nice. I don't know if I could invite anybody. I don't I don't have anyone. It's you. It's just me? It's You're the only fellow disc golfer I know our, at this point. You can reach out to our other disc golf buddies. Our extended disc golf They'll probably group. say no or not show up. Can I show That's up with okay. my mistress? Sure. 
All right. Now, all of a sudden. I smile. need somebody to carry my bag. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Like, you know that when you bring someone around, there's going to be an initiation period. You better warn her. I'm I just know. telling you. And Absolutely. But I'm an accelerator of that. Uh, on this timeline. This acceleration stuff. Yeah, we get past a lot of this shit. You know why? Because this is these are trivialities. These are antiquated trivialities. Until next week. Boy, that, we can't close on that. What? I gotta edit all, I, I gotta edit this stuff out. I can't close with that. M sixty four. What's a sixty four, Morgan? I don't know. I closed my computer. Who's a sixty? 64, number 64. I guess I got a Ah, jeez, Louise. Putting you on the spot here. <clears throat> Can't close with Sasha's relationship talk. No, I hope not. I feel like we're maybe over-talking it. But, nah, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll trim it all down. Don't worry. Oh, no, man. M64. Big shout-outs to Mongolia. Big shout-outs to the Philippines again. It's a gun. Swaziland. Oh, of course. Decent gun? Yeah, it looks kind of cool. The Zastava M64. Look at all the stuff we avoided talking about. No politics this week. I mean, it was minor blurbs. You you know, politics lately, I think a lot of us are just tired of it and we're just kind of ignoring and not necessarily. Biden's the perfect guy. Caring about what's going on. He's the perfect I mean, guy. I saw, I see a couple of things that go, oh, why are we doing this? Like, I, we didn't, we probably at some point need to talk about South Lake Carroll again. What happened there? Well, you know, they had that whole diversity thing that was coming up where they wanted to get the st- students and teachers, this like, this whole diversity thing. And I'll, what I say, we'll need to look at the whole plan, you know? And the whole plan is like, you know, in reaction to everything that's happened over the last year, but it goes way overboard. Hmm. And so like within three days of that plan being introduced last year, the parents created a political action committee and it, you know, it gathered several hundred thousand dollars in funds and they just had local elections. And like every candidate that was against the, um, diversity training or whatever won, and they didn't just win by a little bit they won like 80 20 70 30 they destroyed their opponents who were for this diversity and it's an interesting thing that that does sound really that, that should probably studied get some air time mm-hmm. yeah because it's it's that thing where there's no middle ground it's either way far one extreme or way far the other extreme and there's no there's no looking at it and going, you know what? This is not right. We should probably do this. People are primed for it's, the extremes more than ever. I know. It's just disgusting. But anyway, worth talking about. It is worth talking about. It's the stuff you hate to hear me talk about when I accelerate topics because I like to go to the extreme on some of these discussions. And so mm, we're is, probably along the same lines, I think. Yeah. In these, in these types of discussions, we tend to fall along the same line. We can go to A to Z pretty quick because. A to W is small talk and it's trivial stuff. I'm more concerned with W to Z. Yeah, the end result? Yes. Mm. I'm not really very... I'm more concerned with A and B. But that's because you factor in... Because that's where you nip the end result in the bud. That's where you alter the end result. I think that's part of it, but so many... The idiocracy is stuck on A to B. 
no, idiocracy is stuck on a Y to Z. Everything is about the end result. It oh, is not about, interesting. It is not about the actual cause of the problem. Oh, we're talking about uh, we're talking about this differently. It's fascinating. When I say I like to accelerate A to Z, I mean in a conversation, you and I, much like you can in a marriage, <laughs> strangely, in a good one, in a healthy one. We talked about this with healthy relationships last week. You can get past a lot of stuff without even talking about it. And so to me, the end of the alphabet, the end result, the resolve, the resolution, the reason I go there with you quickly is because for the most part, I can assess fairly reasonably enough where you stand on A to W. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. Gotcha. And that's why I say idiocracy is, on, in, is A, B right now because they haven't tried to figure C out. Well, they went A, B and skipped <laughs> yes. the rest of the alphabet. Yeah. Like that's the only letters in that's the alphabet. That's their mode, yeah. But there's all these other letters of the alphabet that somebody has to at least consider in order for I, – I do it because I feel as if it's it it's just – part of the reason why I'm here um, as a, as a person, I can't help it. I don't wake up wanting to talk 17 hours all day to myself, to you, to others about everything that's going on, but I just can't help it sometimes. <laughs> right. So it is what it is. It makes for decent content. Third person would add 30 to 50 minutes of airtime. So uh, no, in a good way, we would have to concise our airtime down. I feel like I need there needs to be an interview process. We can talk about this next week. Let's okay. go through the interview process next week. The interview process. Okay. Well, not the the actual in-person interview process. Let's talk about sure. we're the hiring managers here. Okay. At meandering. So let's talk about what we cover when it comes to who we would want to share this space with us. All right. Fair for enough. three hours a week. I like it. Let's do it. Let's go buy some more guns. <laughs> M64. See you guys. Later.